Hi there. Welcome to listeners from across the globe. My name is Allison Nune, and this is Best Damn Reality, a new podcast intending to help bridge the spiritual and material worlds. Each week, I invite you to join me and to suspend all preconceived notions, to open your minds and your hearts to seeing everything from a much faster perspective. Should you be enticed enough, please also consider visiting me on my YouTube channel and on my business Facebook page, both under the name Allison Nune. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey. Episode 12, Making Choices. Welcome back, listeners. I'm going to jump right in to this week's sharing, which is going to be, in many ways, on many levels, a connecting episode. Very likely, starting with this episode and increasing now with each week's recording, I am intending to explain less and less and really put out there to listeners if something is resonating ask questions for further clarification to how this for anything that doesn't make sense let me know what is resonating let me know how something I'm sharing is what it makes you think in your own life, what it triggers within you, especially and really more of what it triggers positively, quote unquote, positively. I've had plenty in the past eight years of triggering people, quote unquote, negatively, with my work and with my sharing. Of course, 100% across the board, that negative triggering has been unintentional. Absolutely not my goal to make people uncomfortable. My goal in the most general level is to reveal more truth to reveal more of a more accurate portrayal of what is real, how it becomes real out in the world, to allow people to make a more informed choice in their life, in every aspect of their life, with every decision. You can't make a decision with only partial information. I mean, you can. I mean, we do, we do it all the time. We make decisions with whatever information, you know, and sometimes you have more time than not to evaluate and to gather information. But after my awakening, what became glaringly obvious to me was that I had not felt in any way, shape, or form like I had been given the whole story. Not by family, not by friends, not by society, not by school. And of course, no one was intending to hide the story, not at least directly in my life, but I would argue that there was, continues to be a small in numbers group of people relative to the entire globe's population. There has been a concerted Focused, intentional effort to keep the greater truth hidden from the masses of humanity. That is absolutely collapsing at present here. The end, mid-September, it's September 19th, 2020 right now. Of course, we're all living through what we've been told is a, a global pandemic. But all you got to do is follow the facts. 
which is increasingly difficult to do in these times. But we're not being told the whole story with all that's been going on the past six months. And rather than focus on the various ways you can assemble the details of what has already manifested in the physical form, I am intending to share in a way to show that we are creating the reality of tomorrow that has not yet been manifested in the physical. We are creating that with our thoughts and with our attention right now. And I ask, what, to what are you giving your attention? What are you feeding? What version of reality are you feeding? What version of the human story are you continuing to perpetuate the same version of us versus them, of individuals giving our powers away to these governments across the globe that have done nothing in the past decades but show us and give us reason after reason to not trust that they have the best interest of human beings at heart, money, Money and power has been guiding the greater mass reality for long enough. And right now is the opportunity to tell a very different story. And it is happening, but you have to choose it. And what I'm trying to do is use a very focused, specific example of my own life tracking it for, I can literally use the past 10 years and specifically the past eight years, every single, when I say I've been evaluating every single choice, every single word, it, it's, let's put it this way. There isn't yet another human being that I've crossed paths with, that I feel really gets what I'm saying when I, when I, when I share that. And today, this week's episode, okay, I said it's a connecting episode. I said, I'm not going to explain all the reasons, but I'm going to drop points for people to potentially listen, get something triggered and ask something specific on how and what this is connecting. But this week, it's connecting to my experience within Iron Man. Their official name is World Triathlon Corporation, but they're known around the world as Iron Man, a long-distance endurance event company. Triathlons also running races, and they recently have bought, I think, some mountain bike races and some other things. But today, this is intended to be the connector because for the past five-plus years, Ironman has represented energetically the biggest backdrop to my spiritual work and to my story. And as I lived through the experience, I knew from day one, it was not an accident. This podcast is labeled under the genre of spirituality for very big reasons, least of which because of one of the primary underlying assumptions that I operate using is that our souls came here and chose these vessels, chose these personalities at this exact time to be alive on the planet at this exact time for much, much bigger reasons. I've shared that multiple times, but it bears repetition and repeating because like I said, I don't feel yet 
that there's anybody, let alone a small group of somebodies, that really feels to what degree I believe that, to what degree I've lived that, and not from the perspective of, and this is so hard to say because on the surface, it totally looks like it's ego-based, and, and in some way it is. It's entirely telling the story of the ego-based personality known in the Earth game as Allison Irene Nune. So I get why and how that focuses on the ego-based, but it is not, I am, my story is our story. And through my story, I'm trying to take this work and build real momentum so that it becomes a different version of our story. But the our story that is still present here in 2020, the greater mass story of humanity is still based on fear and control of something outside of us individually. And part of creating a different version for real, like a different human story, one based in love, abundance, and cooperation, as opposed to fear, lack, and competition. We don't have a lot of examples of that, certainly not in mass. But I know to the depths of my heart and soul, because I know that my intention has been to live this to the absolute nth degree. And while it is absolutely positively not to debate or convince anyone, it is a matter of portraying for real the most authentic, honest expression of this greater truth through my unique story of Allison. But in so many ways, it's burying my soul. Every time I open myself up, when I leave my house, I, it's, it's, it's like I'm naked in every way beyond the physical, obviously not in the physical, but to live this greater truth out there, it, it's like burying your soul. And I've learned the hard way, as I alluded to a few moments ago, that this is a very threatening way still to be out in the world to many to live from the heart and not from the mind, to live genuinely from this belief in and acknowledgement of the oneness and, and, and not solely fate, you know, focused on just myself and, and taking care of myself and, and my little See, it's, it's, it's just so challenging to bring words to it, which is why I've had to live it. And now that I've, it's the power of going backwards through my own time date history that I captured for the past seven and a half years on my YouTube channel and connecting it to the present day creation of the podcast. There is, there is a way and an energy to be connected to that is beyond the character of Allison, but through the character of Allison. And I don't think I've hit that note yet. But in today's episode, I'm literally going to share a piece. A same piece, a same segment of a book that I read from a piece of my work from June 29th, 2015. Literally, the week that the Iron Man opportunity fell into my lap and from moment one, I knew it wasn't accidental. And I thought I was going to share specific ideas that I have to integrate this greater purpose I, I feel that I'm in that world for, to integrate more spiritual into that world. But I, I, I and I know, I know this episode is, is likely bouncing and, and, and kind of not exactly coherent and I just ask that you try to feel the energy of what's coming through because before I share this excerpt that I read 
back on June 29th, 2015. And I will be connecting that piece of work, that link from my YouTube channel. I will be connecting that to this podcast episode and including that in the written description because I feel, (laughs) I feel like watching that recording from over five years ago and then examining what my life is today and what the Ironman experience has been for me is very powerful. However, I can't share in an hour. I don't even know if I could share in multiple hours the magnitude of profound ways that the Ironman experience has forever altered me in the best of ways, and through some of the most challenging times, not only of the job itself, but how challenging it was to have that job while trying to maintain a home life, a job that required me to travel as much as Iron Man did, and trying to maintain a home, a literal home, and pets, and a relationship, and how that suffered as a result of doing the job and and the layers upon layers of spiritual work that I had exponential growth available to me by facing all of those challenges head on. And if there is one thing about the world of Iron Man, God, it is intense, badass intense world, not a victim world. It's an empowering, take your own life by the hands world. It is a world I don't want to leave. I want to be a part of it still. But like with most jobs, I've outgrown, I've reached the ceiling of the limitations that exist as a contractor and as opposed to a full-time employee and the limits that exist within the company itself, within the way it does and sees business. I'm an out-of-the-box, way out-of-the-box person, gifted and focused more in the emotional and spiritual side of humanity than the physical and mental, which is how I would define Iron Man is heavily defined clearly by the physical, what they put their physical bodies through when one does an Iron Man. And you can't get through anything physical without the mental. The mental toughness required to complete an Iron Man is real. And there's no way you can do so without being equally mentally tough as well as physically prepared. But the gaping opportunity that I feel exists within that world is one that I feel I'm perfectly qualified for. But I have tried in so many ways something new for me. In my past, as soon as I would outgrow a job, which was very quickly, the only reason I've lasted five and a half years in this quote-unquote full-time contractor position is because it's not a regular full-time job. It's because I'm only working within and representing Iron Man for, you know, 12 to 15 weeks a year as opposed to 52 weeks a year. I'm not wired in a way that can do that. I will never again in this life have a regular job. I will live in a tiny house in the mountains. I will live in my car before I give away 40 plus hours of my life to another company unless that role is customized enough to give me massive amounts of freedom and space to grow at my rate, unique to my being, which I'm the only one that can speak to that. And in my 44 years, what I've experienced in the work world, one of the Bigger ways that I see shifting is how we define work. And increasingly so in the past few decades, 
I've observed and personally experienced less and less of a two-way street between employer and employee. Most, in all of my experiences, it's, I've never been granted, mostly because of the system within which we're working, not the individual companies, but I've never been, it's always been, you should be lucky to have a job. We're not like, hey, you should be lucky. You should feel fortunate and lucky to have me working for you. And it's new for me to actually try to communicate what I desire and what I need for a job instead of just bailing on it and going and starting somewhere new. This is new for me. And what's been interesting is as I've tried to share with various people in decision-making positions at Ironman, I've tried to share what I see as a way to serve them and myself in a greater way. And it's just like I kind of feel like a little kid. Like I've been relegated, like I'm, I'm just not heard. You know, it's just, and that's okay, but I want to make sure that I do everything in my power to try to be as direct and succinct as I can before leaving that opportunity for good. And right now, it's not, it's being forced upon us, this potential of perhaps not having the opportunity within that world of work because of the virus, because events, big events were the first things to go at the end of March. And I still don't think anybody has any idea of if and when events will return and what may or may not be required of people to put on an event. I mean, there are so many unknown factors still right now in September where one has, has to continue to focus more on the now than on Wow, somebody's coming to my door as I am recording. I, I need to pause. Pause. Sorry for that interruption. It's really interesting. Uh, obviously, a little sidebar here. Um, I, I record these in the moment. And for the past few weeks, I've captured each episode in, in a single take. And it's been a while since I've had to have segments, which clearly today's will be done in a minimum of at least two segments, given that a neighbor and her little daughter just came to my door. (laughs) Again, in my world, I don't believe in accidents or coincidences. And one, hardly anybody ever comes to my door (laughs) and certainly not a new neighbor. They just moved here a few months ago and they were coming to thank me for my little free library that I have on my property. It was one of the first things that I constructed and assembled with my good friend Kathy, my good friend and neighbor Kathy's assistance. It was my first sort of solidifying contribution to this home, this space, and the neighborhood in which I live once I was the sole owner of the home, which became finalized last mid-May, mid-May of 2019. And Little Free Library, it, it was a concept that I wasn't familiar with until I moved to this neighborhood the very first time in 2008. And we happen to live in a neighborhood here in Sarasota that houses quite a few of these little free libraries on people's property. And it's more of a permanent, you know, it's not really permanent, although mine is cemented in, but it's something that certainly while I was renting, I wasn't going to assemble one and and install one. And when I first owned the home, it was jointly with my ex-significant other And I bought him out of the home last year. And one of the first things I wanted to immediately 
contribute and make part of my home was adding a little free library. And she was coming because she's got two younger kids. And she said, your library is just so great. And it's always got so many kids books. And that, and I shared with her, it's because those come from my mom, who's a retired school teacher, an elementary school teacher. So that was really beautiful and interesting um, that that just happened as I was capturing this recording. Because also, for the first time since launching the podcast, I did not capture this week's recording, quote unquote, on time. I have completed all of them by Friday night for the first 11 episodes. And then on Saturday, I assemble the YouTube version, which takes quite a few hours because I listen to it and then I go out and find images and or quotations that complement what I'm trying to convey in any particular week. And so I'm already feeling a little awkward because my over you know, my, my perfectionist type A personality, the one, the reason why I love the Iron Man world and do well in that world is because of that particular wiring has me feeling like I'm beating myself up a little bit because I didn't meet my self-imposed deadline with this particular episode. So just an interesting set of circumstances surrounding today's sharing that I felt compelled to kind of sidebar. So now back to the original sharing here. I was saying that given the massive levels of unpredictable unpredictability and the massive number of unknowns in our world right now, let alone specific to the Iron Man world and events and traveling, it's forcing us in this beautiful, beautiful way to really hone in on the now moment. And Eckhart Tolle once wrote a book called The Power of Now. Tremendously powerful spiritual concept. Because from a time perspective, there is only the now moment. And then the next now moment. And then the next now moment. The whole idea of past and future are man-made so that we can wrap our humanness around this idea and really a false concept of time. Past, present, future, that linear way of time is really entirely human-based and not an accurate portrayal of what the greater reality, the greater truth is, which is there is only the now moment and infinite perspectives of the now moment. And that's sort of an interesting segue because what I was just about to do was to go back in time on my own quote-unquote linear timeline, go back to June 29th, 2015, when I recorded very specifically, I wanted to capture the fact that I knew before I even began, this was, it was a month, almost a full month before I would go to Lake Placid, New York for my first Ironman gig in that new role. And I very purposely wanted to capture on camera as quote unquote proof that I knew that I, while I didn't know why, I knew I was not landing in that world of Iron Man accidentally, given what my newly dedicated life of dedicating my whole life to this spiritual awakening, to the mass human enlightenment that I believe is taking place. I, I just knew it wasn't accidental. And I don't, it has not been revealed yet. And for all I know, maybe I, my time there is done. But like I said, I take the responsibility of living this greater truth very, very seriously. And I, it, I would be remiss if I didn't attempt at least one final time to convey I didn't land an Iron Man accidentally. My entire world is spiritually focused. 
I believe there is an opportunity to serve them and to serve my own journey in that world by bringing more of this spiritual perspective to the world of business and utilizing Iron Man's tremendous collective power and energy and to basically harness it and help guide it out into the world to have a further ripple effect than I feel it is having at present. And I'm going to connect now to a book by Dan Brown called The Lost Symbol. And I'm going to read the same segment that I read in the video from June 29th, 2015. Here it goes. Timing aside, Solomon said, I find it wondrous to note that throughout history, all of mankind's disparate philosophies have all concurred on one thing, that a great enlightenment is coming in every culture, in every era, in every corner of the world. The human dream has focused on the same exact concept, the coming apotheosis of man, the impending transformation of our human minds into their true potentiality. He smiled. What could possibly explain such a synchronicity of beliefs? Truth, said a quiet voice in the crowd. Solomon wheeled. Who said that? The hand that went up belonged to a tiny Asian boy whose soft features suggested he might be Nepalese or Tibetan. Maybe there is a universal truth embedded in everyone's soul. Maybe we all have the same story hiding inside, like a shared constant in our DNA. Maybe this collective truth is responsible for the similarity in all of our stories. Solomon was beaming as he pressed his hands together and bowed reverently to the boy. Thank you. Everyone was quiet. Truth, Solomon said, addressing the room. Truth has power. And if we all gravitate towards similar ideas, maybe we do so because those ideas are true, written deep within us. And when we hear the truth, even if we don't understand it, we feel that truth resonate within us vibrating with our unconscious wisdom. Perhaps the truth is not learned by us, but rather the truth is recalled, remembered, recognized, recognized. And as, and that, sorry, recognized as that which is already inside us. The silence in the hall was complete. Solomon let it sit for a long moment, then quietly said, In closing, I should warn you that unveiling the truth is never easy. Throughout history, every period of enlightenment has been accompanied by darkness, pushing in opposition. Such are the laws of nature and balance. And if we look at the darkness growing in the world today, we have to realize that that means there is equal light growing. We are on the verge of a truly great period of illumination. And all of us, all of you, are profoundly blessed to be living through this pivotal moment of history. Of all the people who have ever lived in all the eras in history, we are in that narrow window of time during which we will bear witness to our ultimate renaissance. After millennia of darkness, we will see our sciences, our minds, and even our religions unveil the truth. And I'm going to stop there. This is a book that is a fictional book. But that segment right there 
in my humble opinion, is far from fiction. And I happened synchronistically to be reading this book at the exact time of the phone call that invited me to a particular role within Iron Man that was voiced to me by the vice president on the other line, other end of the phone line. It was voiced to me that he said, I thought of you instantly. I thought of you instantly. We had a need, we created a role, and I thought of your energy. Everything in my life has meaning. The timing of everything is following a much greater energy, a divine plan, if you will. And the more open each of us is, first being open and believing it, and then learning how to co-create with this higher energy, this greater truth. Of course I knew the answer was yes to this opportunity. And just like it was not accidental that I was reading this particular book, reminding me of the not accidental nature of living, I knew I was about to embark on a life-changing experience. I had no idea how long it was to last. I had no idea what the higher meaning would be. I still don't. But the desire for that being revealed to me is now greater than ever. And for the first time since beginning in that role, I, am, I have reached the point of fearlessness to just put it out there. I've tried to put it out there directly to people within the company to no avail, and that's okay. And now's the time through this little old podcast with at the moment very few listeners to put this out there in even a bigger way without having any attachment to what may or may not happen as a result. But knowing that in my heart and soul, if I am done, with the Iron Man experience. I want this to serve as an ultimate act and expression of gratitude, of this beautiful, beautiful time in my life. Intensely challenging. Great sacrifice was made. The relationship that I truly believed was going to be one for the rest of this life was destroyed by choosing to accept the offer. It's okay, but it was a very real consequence of saying yes to something by following the feeling and following the knowing of this is not coincidental, Allison. Take the leap of faith, say yes, and be wide open to the experience. And because of the openness and because I was in that world, but no longer playing that same game, it wasn't about climbing the ladder of positions. It wasn't about securing myself in that world as a career. It wasn't about any of that, no matter how it appeared on the surface, because very few people in that world know of my greater dreams Very few people in that world know of my company, of me, and of this work that I am trying to bring to life. So they definitely don't know how I see and have defined and made Iron Man connect to my greater spiritual work. But I can tell you, I maintain that with a company that big, with a company that literally spanned the globe with a company comprised of athletes that participate and employees that work for, regardless if they're full-time or contractors, there is a palpable, real energy of tremendous potential. The tagline for the company which was the feature of, I think, episode seven, anything is possible. That is what has guided me and my experience. Vaster 
than the specifics of it being a triathlon company or the fact that they now own rock and roll marathon series. It was never just about the triathlons or the triathletes or the marathoners or the runners. For me, every single day, every single race, every single moment I was representing Ironman, I was representing the tagline that anything is possible. And the excerpt I just read from the lost symbol specifically speaks to exactly what my world of work is about. I believe we are at a period of of enlightenment. I believe the beautiful nature of life is about to shift and is shifting magnificently, hugely, wonderfully across the whole planet. And I've kind of been brought up to believe that those with greater awareness, those with greater capabilities, especially within the 3D human-based earth game, we have a greater responsibility. That's how I've been raised. That's what still resonates as truth to me. And those are the sorts of individuals that I want and desire and long to be working and living with day in and day out. Not judging anybody else's choice who doesn't feel that way. But I feel, I've always felt, that the unbelievable strength of almost every single human being that I've come across in the Ironman world, whether it was a fellow employee, whether it was an athlete, whether it was a family member of an athlete, whether it was a vendor in our expo or a corporate partner, almost 100% across the board, I have felt that we collectively could be affecting much more change across the planet than what we currently do with our business model. And forgive me, but... It's the athlete within me, always striving to be better. It's the perfectionist within me. Yes, acknowledging when I'm doing something well, but there's always something that we can do better. And because the nature of almost every human being I've met in that world has been, I've not experienced a work environment like it. I haven't experienced anything in my work life post-college that can even compare to what I've experienced within Iron Man. The family nature of those of us on the ground. It's intense working 80-hour weeks, 80-plus-hour weeks. It's hard working a 20-plus-hour shift on barely no sleep. It's challenging when you're battling the elements, whether it's cold, wind, rain, storms. There's something extremely bonding when you go through any sort of experience, work or play, such as that. When I'm on an Ironman gig, it's 100% work. Soon as I leave my home, soon as the Uber picks me up for any trip, it's work. Even in the, the small amount of time that we have that's not technically being guided by work, is work. And there's something remarkably bonding and expanding to go through something like that. And my experience thus far has been that the company and the system within which we work has not even begun to tap the real potential of the magnificent human beings that comprise any one crew for any one particular event. It is very metaphorical and literal for what I feel for all of our planet. We have not begun to tap into the real potentiality of what it is to be human. And I'm going to work to conclude now with, with sort of this connection because it's something from that original video Recorded on June 29th, 2015, it was a thought I never completed. Not surprising, right? 
recording such as this one this week, oftentimes I try to close off all the tangents. Usually I capture probably 75% of the tangents, but invariably there's one or two or more that are just left hanging out there. Well, I'm going to close off a big tangent from the June 29th, 2015 video. I'm going to attempt to close that tangent right now in this week's video or sharing. What got triggered when I was reading that book five plus years ago was a very powerful memory from my short stint as a sixth grade geography teacher. And I've shared this in multiple episodes of the podcast thus far. I've said that we're all teachers and students to one another, but that in this life, in this form, I definitely fall into more of a formalized identification as teacher, coach, guide. Like it's, I've been, I started tutoring kids when I was still a student. I was coaching kids when I was still a kid. And I actually served in the capacity in the classroom as a teacher, albeit only for two years. But there's something about being a teacher that's a unifying experience. When you have a student to whom you're struggling to convey a particular lesson, a particular concept, a particular idea, as a teacher, you feel it when that light finally clicks on within their minds, when something actually finally clicks after attempt, after attempt, after attempt of teaching something as the teacher, you feel it when the student really gets it. Because a lot of students would shake their head. They would nod as if they were right with you, but they weren't right with you. But you know it when all of a sudden something clicks in. I didn't expand it today, but the greater surrounding of that excerpt I just read took place in a college environment. And the young Nepalese child or student, he's not a child, that responded to the main character in the excerpt that I read when he actually, the student said, truth, truth is what can explain the connectedness between all of our stories. It jolted me back to a time when one of my own students demonstrated with a response to me to what degree they really got what I was trying to convey in a particular lesson. And this lesson took place literally on September 11th, 2007. And I remember that because September 11th was designated as Patriot's Day after 9-11. And I remember preparing for this, my second Patriot's Day lesson, my first one, my very first year as a teacher, I didn't struggle to the extent that I struggled the evening before on September 10th. I was very distraught about, because technically and legally, if I was found to not be teaching as a social studies teacher, Patriot's Day on September 11th, I could have technically lost my job. My personal belief then, and I maintain now, that a lot surrounding September 11th, certainly the designation of it as Patriot's Day, there's a lot of propaganda surrounding that. And I felt that it was very much gearing towards an idea of blind patriotism. And that is a dangerous thing when we blindly follow leaders and things outside of ourselves as truth without being able to verify it for ourselves, giving that power away is one of the massive things that is shifting at present right now. And I was upset about this because I certainly did not want to teach to be blindly following anything as a teacher. My goal was to teach these youngsters to begin to instill within them the ability to think for themselves and make the most educated choices for themselves and how to go through the process of deductive and inductive reasoning, how to use what could be verifiable facts and guide that 
in their decision in that. So I was not readily excited about teaching something that felt very much to me to be a blindly patriotic, you know, imposition upon us as social studies teachers. So the night before, I stumbled upon something written by Mark Twain in 1899 called The War Prayer. And basically, it was Mark Twain's response to the same sort of energy. He was expressing through this fictional story, which I'll get to in a second, the war prayer. He was expressing his feelings towards America. Something I remember has something to do with the Philippines and under the auspices of taking, you know, helping the Philippines from another uh, power that was controlling them. We ended up going to war, getting control of the Philippines and essentially being the same not doing what we said we were intending to do with the war, which was to rescue them from this other power controlling them. We ended up just taking the place of the country that used to control them. And this was in 1899. And Mark Twain, having very strong feelings about this, wrote a fictional story called The War Prayer. And in it, this, it, was, it was these two factions were preparing to go to war. And this community, before sending its soldiers off, gathered in the church in their little town. And as the church is full, the back doors to the church open up. And this stranger emerges through the doors and says, I come here with a message from God. So the preacher turned over the pulpit to this stranger. And I remember with my kids, I printed out the war prayer, and then I even found a cartoon enactment of it that I played for them for each one of my classes. And it showed the stranger going to the pulpit and saying, I am here, and I have a message from God, and I'm here to tell you that God has heard your prayer to protect your citizens, your side, and for them to win, and I will grant. I'm here to tell you that God will grant that prayer if you still want to pray it as such after you hear the other side. After you recognize that by wishing success and winning for your side, that means death for the other side. And is that what you really want? And I remember walking through this with my kids and using the example of like farmers and how maybe, you know, somebody, it's super dry and we're begging and praying for rain. But what if somebody else is experiencing flooding and for them, the rain will cause death? And I remember speaking through this and stepping through it with my classes and with my kids. And in one class, pretty sure it was my second period. And I'm pretty sure I remember exactly which student said it from the back of the room. I remember a young student, a female in the front said, but Miss Nune, I'm confused. If we're not supposed to pray for our side to win, what are we supposed to pray for? And the voice from a guy from Kyle came in the back and it said, we're supposed to pray for it to never be the case that we need to go to war. We're supposed to pray for war not to be the option. You're supposed to pray for it to not, nobody to have to die, for this to not be the option. And I remember standing in front of that classroom, having that distinct feeling of, oh my God, without doubt, he gets it. He totally gets exactly what the higher point that I was trying to make, which was exactly that. Always knowing that if you're, if you're praying for one side, for winning for one side, it always means, quote unquote, losing for another. So how about we pray for an existence where winning and losing isn't how we're measuring things? And I bring that full circle to say, listen, I'm still a huge student. I'm humbled almost on a daily basis as I continue my own journey. But I also know that I am intending to be a teacher and a guide and a coach during these times as we shift from mind to heart, 
from fear to love, from dark to light. And I just don't yet feel like I've quite explained it in a way and or reached other humans yet where that's real where they're really getting hey she's not messing around here she really means it yes I really mean it we are all the essence of God the essence of the light the essence of one and we were at we are at a time right now where we have the opportunity to choose to live that where that is the primary focus not paying bills not money, not hyper-focused on just, yes, you have to take care of yourself first if you're going to be of any use to anyone else. But making decisions based on oneness, oneness, what we do to our neighbor, we do to ourselves. Hating anyone, judging anyone, being angry at any other side is simply not going to result in a more loving world. And in a big, big way right now, each of us individually has a choice to make. Are you going to keep choosing the fighting, the us versus them, all the reasons why you need to make your choice, your perspective of something be better than somebody else's? Or can you try to rise above any winner or loser And find within you the openness to begin to believe a very, very, very different world is waiting for all of us to choose to believe in it first, to live it second, and then to witness it and see it and experience it as our reality, our physical reality As I've said many times before, that's the last piece to click in. And right now, there are a lot of people talking. There are a lot of different narratives. But there aren't a lot of voices giving voice to dreaming and imagining with our thoughts and with our attention the different version of Earth that lies in front of us. And I'm going to keep gaining and honing in my ability and my fearlessness to speak that, again, with no intention to debate, with no intention to judge or make people feel uncomfortable, but rest assured you will, because this is very new. And it is very different. And we don't have a lot of physical examples. Ripple 2020 is going to be a very real example. My experience within Ironman has done nothing but prepare me to have the courage to lay out such a, forgive the phrase, but ballsy project of trying to gain $4 million by 4 million individual $1 contributions. That's a pretty big project for a little nobody like me to set out to do. And I don't feel yet that people really are taking me seriously. And that's okay. And Iron Man, the future of my time within that company remains to be seen what that is or is not. And very likely there will be many more sharings, not necessarily through the podcast, of all the things learned and experienced in that beautifully intense world. It's not going anywhere. But to share from my heart and soul like this takes an exorbitant amount of energy still, especially because I don't feel like people are really receiving it in this deep, deep, deeply different way of engaging in the life. I'm playing a different game. And I just need to keep playing my game and trust when the opportunity to share with others, when it is, when others are able to agree to receive it in the way that I'm intending, is when I will share more of the magnificent, beautiful details. But to conclude, I will say anything is possible.
And Iron Man, I, I think all of the individuals within you and you as a corporation for the tremendous amount of growth that I've experienced as a result of living with that as my backdrop. But I maintain that you haven't even scratched the surface of what you can become as a company, but more what you can serve, how you can serve the human population at all through your company and through your business with just an openness to see somebody like me, a little old five foot nothing female who's just a contractor, just this middle-aged single woman, but this middle-aged single woman who has been observing your world and rep, you know, I recognize and respect what's valued in your world. And I have literal ideas of how to achieve what you want in your world, which is simple in the business world. More money, usually. I swear I have ideas that can achieve that for you, but also achieve so much more for your employees, for the cities in which you host events or that host your events, for your athletes, for the families of your athletes. The ripple effect that you can have is much greater than it is at present. I'm not married to, I don't need it to happen. I'm not attached to it, but I would be remiss if I didn't put out there publicly, honestly, transparently, and simply, you can do better. Thanks for listening.